Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. If you walk up to a to a grapevine, you'll notice that the branches are full of life. Maybe some of you have been in, in wine country in Northern California. Maybe you've been in other, other parts of the world or other parts of the country where you've noticed the branches and what the branches look like. This is often marked by green leaves that are growing from the branches. It's also common to see branches that are on the, on the wayside, kind of on the ground, that have been broken off. And the branches that are broken off have usually been broken off by some form of force, rain or wind or, or you know, just a really bad storm, uh, something like that. The difference between the two is that the branch that is connected to the vine is alive and producing. And the vine that you see, or I'm sorry, the branch that you see lying on the ground, they are dead and they are disconnected. So the question that I have for you as a spiritual creature as we move into this today, this important discussion is this, are you alive and thriving or are you disconnected and dead? And I know that every single person in this room, I'm hoping, has a pulse, so we know that you are alive, but what I'm talking about as a spiritual creature, are you alive? There are many people, in fact, I would even go as far as to say the majority of people in this world, and this includes the majority of the people in the church, that move through the monotony or the motions of life, not understanding exactly what it means to remain in the vine, and they have a particular schedule and things that they do every day. Some people follow this meticulously. Other people may follow it loosely. But basically a course of events that you follow through that you choose every single day, but you're not actually connected to this source that is bringing a different kind of life to your life. All right, so that is specifically some of the people that I will be talking to today. I believe there are people that are listening today online, and I believe that there are people that are in this room that are disconnected from God. They, they believe they're connected to God, but they are actually disconnected from God, uh, just moving through the, the emotions of, of life. And this is the tricky part about this. Both kinds of branches, most of the time, both kinds of branches look the same from the outside, all right? They pretty much look the same, with the exception of, of the branches that are alive may have the green leaves. Branches tend to look like branches, regardless of if they've been pulling from a tree or a vine or if they're actually still on the tree, they usually look the same. Consider this case study, Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot. They are both disciples. They may even look the same, and they're certainly both Jewish men, first century Jewish men, but one of these individuals, being Simon Peter, is alive and thriving, and Judas Iscariot is 
dead and continuing to die even further and further and further in the spiritual sense and eventually in the physical sense. So we're in the third week of a five-week series titled Remain. We are right in the middle. I'm, I'm grateful for those of you that have reached out and said thank you for being obedient and getting off track and 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 covering this because this is something that that I'm going through. There are things that I'm going through right now. There's a place that I am spiritually right now where I recognize that I am not remaining and this, that this is something that I need to speak into my heart. I can promise you it's a place that I was at the end of last year and the beginning of this year, which has led this to being so key for me. We're viewing one story for five weeks. It's found in John 15, often referred to as the vine and the branches. I want to encourage you again, if you have not read this passage, other than what we've looked at on Sunday mornings, please do so. For some of you, read it every single day because there is such meaning that is packed in. And it's like every time you read those 17 verses that we're going over, you find something new and you find something else that is completely transforming. And the truth is that in five weeks, we can't cover all of that. Also, if you're here for the first time, or maybe you missed part one or part two because you weren't here, there's a lot of vacations that are going on right now. Make sure that you go back to the podcast and listen to part one or part two. Try to listen to these in order because that's kind of the point of what's going on here. That's, that's very easy to do. So we're going to go back to this passage. We're going to read all 17 verses again. It's John chapter 15. We're reading out of the Common English Bible. You can read out of any translation that you want to. If you have one, if you're going to pick up your phone, choose a translation. It might just read a little bit different. If you want to follow on the screen, that's fine too. But maybe today there is something within this passage that is going to be more powerful than it was last time. There's going to be something that stands out to you. The Spirit is going to speak to you in a way that you haven't been spoken to before. So again, I encourage you to look at this passage on your own. This is what Jesus says. I am the true vine, and my father is the vineyard keeper, or what we've called the gardener or the farmer a lot. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit, and he trims or prunes, like we talked about last week, any branch that doesn't pr produce fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. You're already trimmed or pruned because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me or abide in me, minnow in Greek, uh, exist under adversity, and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. Fruit's what it's all about. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown out that dries and dries up. Those branches are gathered up and thrown into a fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is glorified when you produce much fruit. And in this way, you're proving that you are my disciples. As the father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have said these things to you so that, your, that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. This is my commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than the one who gives up his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit. This fruit thing must be important and so that your fruit would last, not be temporary. As a result, whatever you ask in the father's name, he will give you. I give you these commandments again so that you will love each other. Our primary focus today is going to be on verse 4 and verse 5, and one of these verses, verse 5, is where I've told you that my primary focus for 2021 is, and this is because I am a doer. I am a person that sometimes has a difficulty recognizing limits. I'm a person that whenever things tend to be going well, have unfortunately given myself more than one pat on the back. Sometimes I like to show up and save the day and play the hero role. I can admit that, and sometimes I like credit for that. So I've had to recognize some of these things, and this, there's, a, there's a part of this passage that has been key for me that I think if you were to be honest, even though your DNA is not the same as mine, you would say, these are some things, Matt, that I actually struggle with too, and that there is going to be a truth today that I need to hear, that you need to hear, that is going to be absolutely transforming in your life if you'll actually leave with it and not leave it here. That'll be the critical part. So verses four and five are where we really want to focus. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Stick with me through adversity. Stay put and I'm going to stay put with you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. Or as I often write on my hand or write down somewhere throughout my day, write on the whiteboard in there somewhere apart from me, you can't do anything. Well, that's not true, God, because I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm killing it at work. I've got a wonderful marriage. All these things are going wonderful in my life. But the message that Jesus has for us is a little bit different, and he's trying to make the disciples understand this. I can tell you from personal experience what it's like to try to produce on your own. There are a lot of pastors and a lot of ministry leaders that can tell you what it's like to try to produce on their own. And you see, we have a motivation for trying to produce on our own. The motivation is controlled by performance, impatience, we're very result-driven creatures, and a desire to please other people. You see, this is the way of the world. This is the way that we are programmed. We are programmed to do. We are programmed for uh, production. We are, we are programmed for performance. We are programmed to make sure that everything is taken care of because the American way of life tells us if we do that, and we continue to go through, through upward mobility, maybe making more money, having better social status, 
having more friends, whatever that might look like in a person's life, that that is the measure of success. But the gospel actually says something that is very different. It is actually a life of downward mobility. It is a life in which we are getting lower and lower and lower at all times closer to the power of the cross. So we have been conditioned in our lives since birth. We have been conditioned to operate as dead branches. So you may be saying to yourself, well, I'm alive. I'm thriving. Things are wonderful in my life. Well, then you must be doing something very different than the majority of Americans because we have been conditioned to operate as branches that are dead. And this is the issue that we see today. And I'll tell you some of the, well, this is the result of that. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you feel it right now. A growing anxiety and a growing fatigue. Some of you are tired. You feel as if you never get any rest. And this was because you weren't programmed to produce on your own. You were programmed instead by God to remain. And I'll tell you one of the most dangerous thoughts that people have, and it's very, very common, and it's very common in, in the world of the church. I'm going to pursue this career. I'm going to pursue this college. I'm going to pursue this love interest. I'm going to try to do these things that I want. And what I'm going to do is throw God into that mix. We compartmentalize all of these things in life. I've got the career. I've got the family. I've got, you know, maybe the material possessions. I've got the trips that I take. I've got all of these other things. And God is something that I compartmentalize in. He's another cog in the wheel or another part of that instead of everything flowing through the vine. Remember, you are not the vine. And you definitely aren't the farmer. You are a branch. So it goes back to understanding identity. So two statements today that I want to show you that are absolutely critical for spiritual maturity. Now, if your desire is to be something else, that is perfectly fine. But when we talk about spiritual maturity, two things that we need to see today that Jesus is talking about, two statements that are worth considering. The first is this, without me, you can't do anything. As some of you say, well, yes, I can. See how long, if you live long enough, that your fruit lasts. See how long it lasts in your life. If we ground ourselves in this reality, we can start to talk about true spiritual maturity, where the majority of us simply aren't at. So while we gloss over the importance of this statement, I'd like to suggest that people try to do the majority of the things in their lives. And this should hit some of you that are in the church all the time. 
We step into positions, if it's a job, if it's a role in the church, without prayer. We start ministries without patience. We rush to make critical decisions in our lives without remaining in the vine. Guilty is charged. I have done it many times and I can't tell you the number of things I've watched blow up in my face. There is a result with this. And this is something else that I've seen and it's something that some of you have seen. Bad fruit is going to be the result every single time. I can give you examples within the church, but please hear this. Bad fruit is also produced in relationships. Bad fruit is also produced in parenting. Bad fruit is produced at the workplace. Bad fruit is established in key decision-making. So something that we can learn from St. Luke here, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit, nor does a bad tree produce good fruit. Each tree is known by its fruit. So whenever people look at your life, they have assumptions that they are making about you. And this has nothing to do with people pleasing or caring what they think. But if enough people say the same thing about your character, it's probably true. People don't gather figs and thorny plants, nor do they pick grapes from prickly bushes. A good person produces fruit from the good treasury of the inner self. It goes back to identity, just like it did in the first message. The good treasury of the inner self. While an evil person produces evil from the evil treasury of the inner self. The inner self overflows with words that are spoken. So some examples of bad fruit that we produce in our lives. And and, and some of this bad fruit you have seen in your own life. Gossip that destroys relationships. Hasty decisions that end up hurting the mission of the church. Focusing on the wrong things, using the wrong metrics. You know, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm just gonna be completely honest with you. I am not here in this place to build a mega church. I am not here in this place to see zillions of people come into this energetic environment that's just overflowing with happiness. I am here for the dirty messiness of disciple making. And I don't care if there are 12 of us for the entire time that I'm here because I know without a shadow of doubt in my mind that that will produce fruit that will last. Not consumers, not people who come into churches every Sunday for all of these wonderful things that that a beautiful building can offer. I could care less if we ever, at least at this stage, own a building. But at the end of my life, And at the end of your life, my friends are not going to matter. 
what I have in my bank account is not going to matter, but the fruit will. And it is the exact same thing in your life. No, Matt, I don't, I, I'm, I'm kind of not on board with this. I'm not sure. It's the fruit. And the fruit cannot be produced unless you remain. It's the only way. It is the only way your good deeds can produce bad fruit. Your best intentions on your own can actually produce bad fruit. Uh, some other examples of bad fruit, uh, using metrics that don't reflect the kingdom. Um, pain that becomes generational. Did you know that some of the decisions that you're making right now, your bitterness and your anger, are going to, uh, going to affect your kids and your great-grandkids? I would like to know, and I'll never know this, but I would like to know that one day my great-great-great-grandkids are absolutely thriving. And they are thriving because of fruit that was generational, that was produced many, many years ago by a man and a woman that loved each other very much, that a lot of times, quite frankly, just struggled. Amen. But made the decision to produce fruit by remaining. A growing anxiety and an unhealthy uncertainty. This is the result of bad fruit. A place of worship that, be that becomes known as a place that just goes through the motions. You ever been around a worship pastor that, that doesn't remain in the vine? You ever been around a, an elder in the church that doesn't remain in the vine? You ever been around a church leader that doesn't remain in the vine? It brings tremendous pain. Sometimes there's a lot of bells and whistles and everything looks beautiful. But it brings tremendous pain. Now, here's another statement. Here's the other statement that Jesus makes. Now, the first one was this. Without me, you can't do anything. All right? Stop, stop trying. Stop the facade. Without me. You know what? Some of you, you, you need, if you have a pen, you need to write that down. If you have it in your phone on your notes, maybe you need to put that down. Without me, you can't do anything. So as you seek to perform, as you, as you are going through your day, Without me, you can't do anything. And here's the other statement. With me, remaining minnow, you will bear a lot of fruit. Fruit that lasts. Fruit that is generational. Fruit that, because I've even saw my role at this church that I don't know that I will live long enough to see some of the things that I would love to be able to see happen, not only within this congregation here, but also what we multiply over time. But I can be part of the beginning. And I can be part of fruit production that lasts far beyond me. I have this goal, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's to not try to live for t forever, but to produce something that will. And that's my desire for myself, my family, and obviously uh, for this church. So let's consider our mission as we talk about this. With me, you'll bear a lot of fruit. Again, it's to um, help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. And it's this simple. 
if we're serious about our mission. Our mission happens when we bear fruit. All right? Our mission will occur and happen when we bear fruit. Our mission fails, as it does in so many churches, when we depart from the vine. You see, broken people don't need a motivational pep talk. Broken people don't need a structured program to guide them through life, even though that's really helpful. Broken people don't need self-help psychology. They need a direct experience with the vine. And nothing else will do. Nothing can take its place. Anything else that you incorporate, the energy will be depleted. And I am telling you, I promise from personal experience, I've tried to decorate everything in my life as spirituality, only finding myself then to go back to this well that I never knew existed. So our goal is to make disciples or devoted followers of Jesus. And bearing fruit is the litmus test for this. Jesus even says this. This is how he says it in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. So what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Does that mean in Capernaum in the first century, you're you're one of the people following Jesus around? Does it mean that you happen to be seated at the table with the sinners and the tax collectors and all those people? Does it mean that occasionally you're listening to what he says? He says, no, you will know even beyond the 12, that you are my disciple when your life shows the evidence of remaining in the vine. That's the proof. And that is the litmus test that we are seeking. So a few questions that I have for you guys today that I want you to think about as we, as we close. The first is this. Have you really accepted your limits. Now, this is what I mean by that. I am, uh, I am programmed in a way that finds it very, very difficult to rest or relax or, or stay seated. And, and I know that's not the case with some of you, but sometimes as I enter into my deepest moments of prayer, you don't know what happens and how the enemy works on me? You know what crosses my mind? Oh, I, forgot to, I forgot to put that note in my phone to tell the leadership team. Oh, I forgot to check that email to make sure that I responded the way that I was supposed to. If I don't do this now, I'm going to forget it and it's never going to happen. I'm just being honest. So what I do is I step out of remaining and I go to that task. And then I try to go back in Everything gets quiet, silence, and solitude. Jesus practiced it all the time. Ah, if I don't take care of this, it's not going to get done. And I step right out. And this is why this is such a theme, because you will never remain. You will never learn what it means to abide if you do not accept your limits. And I'm going to tell you how this happened for me. We had a church in Kentucky 
that was growing, that was thriving. We went from one service to three services. God was doing absolutely incredible, amazing work. And because of some of those metrics, I assumed I was doing everything right. But it got to a point in 2019 where we started to plateau and that growth really stopped. So what I did was I kicked it into super energy mode instead of remaining in the vine and tried to do more of what I thought I was doing to produce. I tried to do more and pushed myself and pushed myself and I recognized something one day and it was the most important, one of the most important things that I ever recognized. My ability to speak, my compassion for people hurting, my, my charisma with leading other people is only going to take me so far. And there is a limit on what I'm able to do. And the truth is that some of you in here right now, you're trying to conquer the world. You're trying to do it all yourself. You're trying to fix all these problems and you've never recognized that the source is right there. You know, Jesus used to talk, Jesus talks about the easy yoke and casting all of our burdens upon him and him taking care of everything. And I used to think, that really sounds nice. Because I could use some rest. I could use a break. And I'm getting to the point, and please understand, that just like with alcoholism and depression and anxiety and, and people-pleasing, I am a work, anger, list goes on. I am a work in progress. But I am stepping closer and closer and closer because I don't think any of the disciples had the ability, if you're feeling any pressure, to remain on day one. But it's getting closer and closer, using the spiritual disciplines to practice these things to where you recognize one day, I can't do everything, and I must remain. Some of you, more than anything in here, you need rest, and you must recognize your limits. Second question, have you learned to exercise the patience of remaining? Now, this is something that I'm getting, I, I can say that I'm really making some progress with. Have you learned the exercise, to exercise the patience of remaining? And what this means is that in a critical situation, especially a situation that you have no control over whatsoever, you have the ability to turn over the anxiety, the fear, the struggle, and all of those things, because I can tell you this, there is so much peace. Even if the anxiety level is high, even if the worry and the fear are great, whenever you learn the patience of remaining, you're getting there. But here's the thing. You can never do that. Please understand this. You can never do that with a phone in your hand all the time. You can never do that if you're constantly distracted. You can never do that if what other people think of you is going to control you. So have you recognized your limits? Be honest with yourself and tell yourself in your mind right now, yes or no. 
Number two, have you learned to exercise the patience of remaining? Number three, are you seeing the evidence of good fruit? Are you seeing the evidence of good fruit? Because if you have recognized your limits, and if you have learned what it means to remain instead of always doing or producing, or on the opposite side of that, just being flat out lazy, like a lot of people are. A lot of people, it's not the production. It's not the doing. It's not the, I got to be my best. It's, I'm just going to sit back and not do anything. Do you see the evidence of good fruit in your life. I love uh, to baptize people. I love the opportunity to see people come to know Jesus. I love to see growth. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm seeing things happening around us in this church. And I don't know if you are seeing it the same way that I am, because I'm really kind of stuck in the the bubble of, of thinking about this stuff all the time. But as I look around at people's lives, and as I had the opportunity to baptize Sean last week, and the discussions that I'm having with people about overcoming certain things, because there are very, very dry periods in which we don't see a lot of fruit. Are you seeing the evidence of spiritual fruit, of fruit that lasts in your life? Most churches do not experience the supernatural because the treasury of the inner self, what we talked about in Luke, does not produce good fruit. Sometimes it produces a crowd. Sometimes it produces the same message every Sunday where the pastor says everybody's going to hell. Sometimes it produces a lot of anger and resentment. But the true love for neighbor, which is what we'll see at the end of this series, because Jesus gives us a metric, it's love. If you're remaining in me and you're remaining in love, you're in the vine as much as you're ever going to be in the vine. Gave a little bit of part five away, but that's okay. Are you seeing the fruit? A passage I want to close with today, Colossians 1.10. We're praying this. This is from Paul. We're praying this so that you can live lives that are worthy of the Lord and pleasing to Him in every way. Well, how in the world do you do that? By producing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Father, we come to you today thanking you for continuing to take care of us, provide for us. Father, um, remove the monotony. Remove us from going through the motions. God, help us to recognize by any means necessary what it means to follow you, God, because this is not just about us. This is about the next generation and the generation of Christ followers after that. We lift you up and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.